It was one of the most remarkable and memorable photographs from last year. Patrick Hutchison was attending a Black Lives Matter protest in London, providing security for his anti-racism colleagues. But he and his friends noticed a member of the rival right-wing protest who was in trouble. Now this man had been separated from his group and was being attacked in violent clashes that had broken out. He was getting beaten up and Patrick believed that his life was under threat. And so despite the fact that this man was protesting against what Patrick believed, and he and his friends formed a protective ring around him, and then Patrick lifted him up on his shoulder and carried him to the safety of the police lines. This act of saving a rival protester stood out as an act of heroism and compassion in a summer of racial tension and anger. It's really wonderful when people surprise us, when they do something unexpected or out of the ordinary, when they react in a way that's so much better than what we expected. And this also happened on the ship that Jonah was on. He was there because he had tried to run away from the Lord. But God sent a storm to stop Jonah in his tracks and draw him back to himself. But when the Gentile sailors, the non-Jews, Jewish sailors on board that ship, discovered that this was the reason for the storm, they responded in a really unusual and unexpected way. In fact, they reacted far better than Jonah did. But it's not just the the sailors who surprise us in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. Ultimately, it is God who works in the most surprising way. He uses the rebellion and the disobedience of his prophet to reveal himself to these pagan sailors and bring them to himself. So we're going to read from Jonah chapter 1 this morning, from verse 10 down to verse 16. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do this? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, "What what, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me in the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. And I know this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder as they got the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and bowed to serve him. Last week, we saw how the sailors cast lots to discover who was responsible for the storm that they were in. And God worked so that the lot fell on Jonah. And so when everybody asked him who he was, where he was from, Jonah, this reluctant prophet, was forced to share his faith. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, 
who made the sea and the land. Unexpectedly, Jonah declared his allegiance to Yahweh, the God of heaven. It's unexpected because he was doing exactly the opposite in running away to Tarshish. But the sailors, they responded so differently. Excuse me. Look at verse 10. It says, this terrified them. Now, this was not just the fear of the storm. This was actually the fear of the Lord, who they believed was in control of the storm. Jonah, he claimed to fear the Lord. That's actually literally what he said in verse 9. He claimed to worship the Lord. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. That's what it literally says. He claimed to have that deep reverence and respect for God. But everything that we've read in this, in this chapter about him shows that that was not really the case. He felt justified in rebelling against the Lord. He, in disobeying his commands. And he thought that he could run from God's presence, run from God's influence and control. But these men didn't do that. These sailors, they were not believers in the Lord. They had grown up in a culture of having many gods, and they had just been calling out to their personal favourites for rescue. But when they heard that Jonas worshipped the Lord, the God of heaven, the creator of the sea and land, they were afraid. It seems they understood the gravity of rebelling against the Lord. And almost in disbelief, they said to Jonah, what have you done? Of course, there was more that these sailors needed to understand. But their eyes were beginning to be opened to the reality of who God really is. And they were starting to express a deep respect for him. So in verse 11, they asked Jonah, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? They realised that if Jonah had been rebelling against the Lord and and this storm was the result of it, then, then this needed to be dealt with if they were going to get out of this alive. And who better to ask about what to do than the one who claimed to worship the Lord? And so Jonah came up with this plan. Verse 12. Pick me up, he said, and throw me into the sea. And it will become calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now I don't know what you think of this when you hear this. What Jonah came up with. And in some way, initially it sounds kind of good. It shows that Jonah recognised his sin. He took responsibility for his disobedience and for the consequences of it. And he also recognised the proper payment for sin that the Bible says. So Paul in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. 
And so it was true. Jonah had sinned against God, so Jonah deserved to die. And so it may appear on first reading that Jonah here was selflessly sacrificing himself for the sake of the sailors, to save the crew. But I don't think that's all that was happening here. Because although Jonah really did acknowledge his sin, did you notice? He didn't repent. He didn't turn to God and ask for forgiveness. He didn't call out to God for his grace. Now, that wasn't because he didn't know it was possible. As we saw before in chapter 4 of this of this book, Jonah says about to, to God, he complains to God, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah knew all about God's grace. But he just didn't ask for God's grace. I think we need to be really clear here. God does not ask us to make some great sacrifice to pay for our sins. He does not call us either to beat ourselves up about all the wrong things we've done in our lives. as if, Or to kind of punish ourselves for our failures as if that makes up for it. Instead, God just wants us to humble ourselves before him and call out to him for grace. He wants us to do what King David did. When he sinned against God in adultery and murder, and he was confronted with that sin, this is what he did. He writes about it in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. David responded just by asking for grace. And that's what he got. But Jonah... Jonah didn't come broken before God. Instead, he decided that it would be better for him to die than to repent. Maybe it was because he knew that grace should lead to obedience. He knew that if he'd asked for forgiveness and God heard his prayer, then he he would need to obey God's command and go to Nineveh. And it seemed that Jonah would rather die than let the people of Nineveh hear about the Lord. Now, if that sounds a bit like a a bit of a stretch, if that sounds a little bit unrealistic, then you don't need to take just my word for it. Because this is actually what Jonah said himself. When Jonah eventually did go to Nineveh, and and the the, the city did repent, we'll see that in chapter 4, Or chapter 3 and chapter 4. Jonah was so angry that he said to the Lord, Now, O Lord, take away my life. For it's better for me to live, to die than to live. Jonah would rather die than see Nineveh saved. And so even at this stage 
in the middle of this incredibly dangerous storm, Jonah was still running away from the Lord. He was still resisting God's will for his life. He was still fighting against the God of grace. And maybe what worst of all, he was making the sailors responsible for his death. Did you notice? Jonah didn't just say, guys, it's my fault and jump overboard. He didn't do that. He was getting them to do that deadly deed. Presumably because he knew that it was against God's law for him to kill himself. And so the sailors realised the seriousness of what Jonah was asking for them to do. And we'll see that later in their prayer. But in contrast with Jonah's self-centeredness, the sailors, they displayed such amazing compassion. Because they didn't just chuck Jonah overboard and see if it calmed the storm. They could have. And they would have got away with it because nobody else was around. Nobody else would have known about it. They could have just put it down to another tragic accident at sea. But look what they did instead. Verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They continued to risk their lives doing everything they could to save Jonah. They showed the kind of compassion for a stranger, for an enemy that Jonah knew nothing about. What a powerful rebuke to Jonah. What a powerful rebuke to the nation of Israel. Because God's plan was always that the nation of Israel would be a blessing to the nations around them. God's promise to Abraham was this. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But the nation of Israel had failed in their missionary role. They were not a light to the nations around them. They were not living in such a way to point people to the the glory of God. Instead, this nation of Israel had actually turned away from the Lord and had copied all of the kind of the false idols and the false worship of the nations around them. But here were the Gentile sailors risking their lives, doing whatever they could to rescue a rebellious member of God's nation. And this surprising concern of these sailors points us to the even more surprising concern of God. Because we are the ones who are like Jonah here in this story. We are the ones who are guilty before God who have run away from God, who have rebelled against his commands, who have fallen short of his standard. And yet God loves us so much that he was willing to do whatever he could to save us. Even when it cost him his son. 
Jesus was the one who was completely innocent, who was sinless, who was perfectly holy. And yet he loved us so much that he willingly laid down his life for us to take the punishment that we deserved. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And because of that, Jesus did for us what the sailors couldn't do for Jonah. The the, the sailors, they tried everything they could to get Jonah back to the land. But they failed. But they could not, it says in verse 13, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They could not rescue Jonah from the full consequences of Jonah's sin. But Jesus can. On the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished. It is paid in full. Because he paid in full the price of our sins. And so it doesn't matter today who we are, what we have done or haven't done in our lives. Because if we put our faith in Jesus, then we will be saved. Now and forever. The book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 25 says, He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. So the sailors, they tried in vain to save Jonah. But eventually they realised that there was no option than to do what Jonah had suggested. But as they got Jonah, they got ready to throw Jonah overboard, they again did something really surprising. They did what Jonah hadn't done yet in the middle of that storm. They prayed. This time, not to their false gods, not to their idols, but verse 14 tells us that they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to Yahweh, to the God of heaven that they just heard about from Jonah. And look about, look at what they prayed. Again, verse 14. O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. This is an amazing prayer. These these sailors, they recognise God's power. They recognise that this storm was the work of his hand, even before they they calmed the storm. He calmed the storm. They recognise God's holiness as well. That he is high moral standard that includes the sanctity of human life. They also recognised God's sovereignty over this whole situation. That they were accountable to God for what they were doing. But that God had the right to do whatever he wanted, whatever he pleased. And they prayed for God's mercy. 
They prayed that they wouldn't die, but that he would save them. Can you imagine how their words must have impacted Jonah? Here were pagans brought up without his privilege of knowing scripture or knowing God's acts of mercy. And yet they were showing a deeper reverence for who the Lord is than Jonah was. They were praying to his God and showing deep respect for him. And God answered his prayer, their prayers. After they prayed, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, verse 15 tells us, and the raging sea grew calm. In his mercy and grace, God stilled that storm and saved their lives. And in this, in response to this, again, the sailors responded in such a surprising way. Their commitment to the Lord deepened further. Look at verse 16. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They were so amazed at seeing God's power over the sea express that they responded with fear, with even deeper respect and reverence for the Lord. And this wasn't all. In addition, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Of course, they didn't need to do this. This wasn't in order to be saved because they were already saved. The storm had already passed. Instead, this sacrifice just expressed uh, their heart's desire to, to say thank you. It was in gratitude and praise to the one who'd saved them that they made this sacrifice. And this wasn't even just a brief and passing commitment. These sailors, verse 16, made vows to him. They understood that the Lord was worthy of such obedience that in some ways they promised themselves to him. They promised to honour him with their lives in the years ahead. This is how these sailors responded to being saved from a storm. So how much more should we respond if we've been saved from our sin through our faith in Jesus? Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In the light of all that Jesus has done for us, to the, to express our reverence for him and our gratitude to him, how could we give anything less than to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to commit to living for and serving him with everything that we are and everything that we have. What a surprising contrast between the prophet Jonah 
and these pagan sailors. As Jonah was running away from the Lord, these sailors were learning to respect him. As Jonah selfishly looked after himself, these sailors were expressing genuine concern for others. And as Jonah continued to reject God's grace, these sailors had turned to God and had been saved. But this wasn't because these men were better than Jonah. This wasn't because of the goodness that was in them compared to the goodness in Jonah. This was simply the evidence of God's grace that was at work in these sailors' lives. Because without God, we are all blind to sin. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that about the people in the world, they are darkened in their understanding. They are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Sin blinds us to the reality of who God is. It stops us from seeing God. And this blindness is also caused because of the, the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Satan distracts us and deceives us to blind us to the truth of who God is and, and what he wants to do in our lives. And so we're helpless, stumbling in the dark, unwilling, unable to see God. But there's good news. And that good news is that God is able to open blind eyes. That's what he did in these sailors. And that's what he has done in our hearts if we've trusted in Jesus. This is what Paul says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And that is what God can do in the hearts of those that we are reaching out to. You know, sometimes we might despair of ever of people ever seeing the truth of the gospel. Maybe we've been sharing the gospel for years and we've never seen anybody, those people that we care about, that we love, show any signs of interest or any, any, any chink in the armour that's pushing God away. We might feel helpless in that situation to bring those people to Christ. But God is able and God is willing to open blind eyes and humble hard hearts and bring people to himself. And he often uses the most surprising of ways to do it. God can use the storms of our lives like he did for these sailors. In the difficult times, the times when our foundations crumble, when our security is threatened to stop people in their tracks And to grab their attention. And God can also use 
his servants. Even when they fail so miserably like, like Jonah did here. To reveal to people the truth of who he is and what he can do in their lives. No wonder Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11 verse 33. Oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. God's ways are higher and greater and better than ours. He does things that we could never have even asked or imagined. So folks, let's not despair today. Even although we can't always see what God is doing, we can't always understand his ways. Let's trust him. That he is working in this world and that he is working for our good. Even in the most difficult of times. Because, because God works in surprising ways. Let's pray. Father God, we really thank you. Really thank you for this reminder. That you work in ways that are beyond our comprehension. That you work in ways that are beyond our imagination. Lord, when we go through times in our lives, difficulties and and storms and struggles, when we stumble and fall, when we think that nothing is happening and we don't see any, any evidence for you at work, Lord, thank you that you are right there in the middle of it, still working according to your purpose and plan. Working for our good and for your glory. Lord, thank you that you have the power to work through difficult circumstances and through people like us. To open blind eyes. To draw people to yourself. To save and to rescue. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to trust in you. That you are at work in our lives today. Help us to believe that even although we cannot see that result, that reality, that we, that you are at work for our good, Lord. Help us to rest in that. Help us to trust in that. But Lord, help us also to trust in that reality for those that we deeply care about, for those that we are praying for, for those that we are trying to reach out to. Lord, help us to believe that you are at work. So as we share the gospel, help us to believe that you are the one who opens blind eyes and draws people to yourself and works in the most surprising of ways to do this. Lord, help us, help us not to try to understand everything that you're doing. Help us be willing to trust you for the things that are beyond our understanding. To trust you that you are working And that you're working for our good because you are the God of grace and the God of all compassion. Father, thank you for your amazing work in our lives. In Jesus' name.